Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Argyle Chats. Regular host Stuart James is currently sunning himself up in Spain, so I've taken over hosting duties. Joining me today are former Argyle player and Herald columnist Danny Salmon. Good morning. Morning, Jack. And Chris Arrington is back after um, his operation. How are you feeling, Chris? Not too bad, thanks, Jack. Yeah, good to be back. Fantastic. So you were both there um, watching the game on Saturday, follow defeat to Scunthorpe. What did you both think of the game? Danny, do you want to go first or me? Um, what did I think of the defeat? Um, <laughs> obviously, at the end of it, um, it was a dip- disappointing result. But I've got to say, um, you know, in football, uh, little incidents, little moments make a massive difference. And that, to me, the sending off was the critical moment in the game. Um, up until then, I thought... Uh, we were playing well, we were moving the ball around well. Um, even though we went 1-0 down, I still felt that we were well in the game. Uh, we were looking dangerous. We were creating creating spaces, creating opportunities. Um, and the sending off completely changed uh, uh, the game. And uh, it, it was very disappointing in the end. And Chris, you, you were obviously off reporting duty, so you were able to just watch the game. Yeah, um... I, I thought Argyle played well in the first half. I thought they were the, the best team in the first half, if I'm being honest. I thought they played well in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the second half. Yeah, I agree. Um, I did think that they looked like they were capable of getting an equaliser. I think Jamie Ness had a really good header, which he should have done better with. Um, once the second goal went in, then obviously it's a bit deflating. Mm. You're down to 10 men, it's a hot day. You're up against a good team. Scunthorpe have got some good players, good finishers. If I'd been the manager, Danny, and I, I think I'd have shut up shot that 2-0 down, stuck the own song go on, rather than putting on more and more attacking players and just said, we're not going to win this game and just try to see it out at 2-0. Um, I don't think it was a 4-0 defeat by any stretch of the imagination. One of our regular listeners, uh, John Lloyd, um, I was talking to him afterwards and he was very depressed immediately after the game about a 4-0 defeat. And I think I tried to sort of it wasn't a 4-0 game. I mean, Danny's right. There was two or three incidents that didn't quite go Argyle's way. The sending off was obviously the the main factor. And I do think Scunthorpe are a decent side. Um, their finishing was excellent, wasn't it, Danny? I mean, they... Madden, Morris, Hopper. I mean, people look at Scunthorpe and sort of almost like turn their nose up at them a little bit. They were playoff semi-finalists yes. last year. Paddy Madden is a very good striker, as we all saw. Josh Morris is one of the best players outside of the championship I thought um, I thought Argyle played well and I, I think 4 was harsh I, I think you're right I think people do forget that Scunthorpe are a very good team and we've played a lot of good teams already and we haven't looked no. out of sorts in any of them and I think that um, the finishing I actually mentioned that how many chances did they have mm. and how many chances they put away mm. Um, and again, whether you shut up shop after two nil, it's a it's a good example where you know you you could go one way or the other. I just think that the players, I think once the second goal went in, yeah. one or two heads went down a little bit. Yeah. They were probably disappointed, um, and and I think that it just sort of the marking got a little bit poor, and you know we just weren't doing the things that we we are good at. But you know, like I said, at the end of the day, uh, the sending off I think uh, was a turning point. In the that, game. That, 
I just like, I like to get your perspective, Danny. When you go back into that dressing room at half time, immediately after the red card, and again after the game, what do you say to the player that's that's got himself sent off, which is which is what happened? Do you say anything? Do you do you shout and swear? Do you you know leave it to the end of the game? Do you leave it till the following Monday, or do you just leave it to the manager? How how do the, how do players react in that situation? I've been in a dressing room when that's happened, um, where we've been really on top in a game and the sending off has changed it. Um, I remember going into a dressing room and I absolutely tore into the person that got sent off. He had his hands in his head and I just, I lost my temper. Mm. Um, um, but once that's over with, you then understand that sometimes players do things that they shouldn't do. Mm. Sarkovic will know himself that he made a big mistake. He was goaded into doing what he did and he got suckered into it. And unfortunately... We've paid the price for it. Um, I don't think he'll do that again. Um, or he'll be, you know, be very wary of doing it again. And I think that it just shows, goes to show you that one thing like that can make a massive difference in a game. And, like, we've just got to suck it up and we've just got to move on from it and learn from it. And what's that like for a player? Because it's very easy for people that have never played the game before to, to sort of lament a player for doing something like that. But when you're in the heat of the moment, why, why do players do, react like that? Um, I, just, I just think that sometimes you just see red. It really is that simple. You, you, the guy actually went, went at him. I was actually looking at the incident very, very carefully. And uh, the number nine, um, Mason, was it? Uh, Madden. Madden went into his face backed away, then went back into his face, pointed into his face, and made a gesture with his head. And that's when he threw his head at him. Listen, we know he didn't hurt him. We know that he went down. But the referee was standing literally a foot away from him. He had to be sent off. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just can't answer that question very easily. You know, all of a sudden, a player doesn't like being goaded, doesn't like, we're losing 1-0. It's in the heat of the moment. He makes a stupid decision. Game over. And, I mean, Chris, it's, it's quite a hard, a hard job then, isn't it? Because if it's nil-nil and you've got players off, you can almost defend and try and get a point. Mm. But when you're one-nil down, you sort of almost have to try and go for something. So how, how hard is it to be in that sort of position when, when you're down to 10 in that situation? Well, I, I was really impressed with the way they started the second half because I think everyone yeah. was deflated going into half-time and you think, Crikey, we've played well in this game. We're one-nil down and we're down to 10 men. And, and that seemed a little bit harsh, to be honest. And I thought they came out the second half, they played basically a 4-2-3, they didn't sacrifice any attacking players, and I thought that first 10 or 15 minutes, you know, they had a couple of decent opportunities, I think Jake Jervis had one as well, if I remember rightly, and I thought they were playing really well, and even with the 10 men. Now, there was always a danger when they were chasing the game at 1-0 down with 10 men, that's a team with the quality attackers that Scunthorpe have got, would catch them on the break, and... And that's what that's what happened. They were about to make a substitution, and the goal went in. And um, you know, after that, you know, I think a few heads understandably understandably dropped. But yeah, it's one of those ones where you look at it in play, on, on the paper. Four 0 looks looks not good. It but, wasn't a four 0 result. Um, did. I mean, Derek Adams, you know, said afterwards, um, you know, he thought Argyle were a better team. Um, that's one of those sort of open-ended sort of comments that you can you can argue, argue both ways, can't you? Um, yeah. Last twenty minutes, you I think they I think they were as good as Scunthorpe for uh, well certainly when it was eleven against eleven. Yeah, I don't think there was any difference in the teams then, do you, Danny? No, I don't. And, and honestly, I think the first ten, like Chris said, dead right. First ten fifteen minutes. If we'd got a goal then, 
offensive as to get one something one, out of the game. You know, the, the, the fans the crowd, the right on yeah, the, yeah, definitely. But once that second goal went in, yeah. unfortunately, we got left wide open. In the last 10, 15 minutes, we, we were all over the place. But even 1 0 down, you know, I was thinking, this, oh, God, I'm going to get back into yeah. this. There was no, I wasn't even worried in the slightest. No. So. But I was actually making the comment um, in, the, in the press box if we don't score now, yeah. when we're on top, mm. then mm. We, we might not get anything out of it. It's time to do it. But. You know, put it past us and move on. But you made a good point as well. You played four teams that are probably going to be up there this season. You know, Peter, yeah. Southend, Charlton and Scunthorpe. So, there's still a long way to go yet. One of the players that did come close to scoring in the, in the first half was Nadia Chifchi making his uh, debut. What did you both think of his performance? It was quite hard circumstances in the second half for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, he was OK. I don't, I don't think he had his best game, obviously. I mean, I don't know how much football he's played. Um, you know, he, he's one of these guys that have got a... Um, a good reputation uh, for that level. Um, he had a quite quiet game. Um, he did some nice things. He, he was he was putting himself about. Um, I think the two centre halves were giving him a, a bit of a going over at times. Um, so you know, overall, you know, six six out of ten, you know, for for his first game. But you know, hopefully, there's more to come from him. So although he, he didn't probably um, wanted to be more involved, obviously, nearly scored a goal, hit the post with a header. Um, but overall, yeah, not too disappointed with the amount of uh, football that he's played. And Chris, I, I might have been tempted to give him a seven. I thought he, I thought he led the line well. He's he's what Derek Adams wants from the central striker, someone who's big enough, physical enough, strong enough to try and tie up the two centre backs, that then creates the space and the freedom for the, the the other attacking players in the team to try and get at four backs, try and make low runs in the inside channels and, and things like that. He's he's going to play quite a lot of his. Games for Argyle with his back to goal. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Ryan Taylor. We've seen it with various strikers that have played for Argyle under Derek Adams. And um, I don't think his match. I don't think he's played many matches, Danny. Obviously, I was off last week, so I haven't done masses and masses of research on him. But I think his uh, fitness levels will improve as he plays. I think it was the the right choice to s- stick him straight in. I, I think Nathan Blissett had done quite well in the previous couple of games. But let's be honest, Shifty is his pedigree. Is, is mm. quite high yeah. and you know the only way he's going to get fit and up to speed is by playing games so I think it was the right choice to throw him straight in as it were and um, you know give him two or three weeks get some games under his belt get Derek Adams working on his fitness because I'm sure he'll be doing plenty of double <laughs> sessions and goodness knows what um, I, I think on paper that he's going to be a good signing but you know you're never guaranteed with any signing are you Danny you know no. but, but somebody of his pedigree in League One should should do quite well, I think. And Jamie Ness also made his full debut, and mm. um, again another encouraging performance. I think we saw we saw <coughs> last season what missing preseason can do to Carly Osborne, who mm. whose Argyle career never really started after that. So it's good to see Jamie Ness back. At this, I, at this I thought he did quite well. I, I, he, covered I did. The pitch, he covered the pitch yeah, well, I, didn't he? I, I was surprised with his level of fitness, yeah. missing yeah. most of the preseason, if not all of it. Yeah. Um, I, I was pleased with with his performance. Mm. I think he he can only get better. Um, He'll and, get a bit sharper, won't he? You know, yeah. and, and everything. Yeah. But. I was a bit surprised that he actually started him. I thought he'd be on the bench, um, but I'm glad that he did, and I'm glad. I mean, I said before the game when I didn't know the team that I would play uh, Nadir. I'd bring him on and, and start him and get get him in there straight away. So I don't. I think both of those performances were, were pretty good. Brought yeah. Jamie Ness, it was Scunthorpe was his former Full, club. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That was a good move. You you, you played against a few former clubs before. Does yeah. it does it make a big difference before the game for you? It does. You want to do well. You want to do well against your old clubs uh, for whatever reason. I mean, I don't think they signed him because of his injury problems um, when he left uh, Scunthorpe, and I think he had a point to prove to them. Um, so yeah, I think it was a, it was a good uh, decision to, to play him, and I thought he did really well. 
I'm moving away from, from sort of Saturday for a moment. The transfer window shuts soon. We've spoken mm. a few times on the podcast about what Derek Adams wants. He said a few times he wants two signings. Chichi's mm. one of them. Mm. So one more do we think in the next few days? Well, you never know, do you? Never say never in football. And um, it depends if there's any activity going out. Uh, but if it's one more, is it going to be a striker? I still wouldn't mind a, a central midfielder. Although I'm, I'm Having seen Jamie Ness on Saturday, mm. you know, I, I, I think... Ness, Fox, in there, Sarsavik when he's uh, available again after suspension. Um, Carey, uh, Songo, there's options in there. I, I, was, I was quite impressed with Jamie. Yeah. So, you've uh, also got Threlkeld that can go there. Threlkeld can go in there, hopefully, if he's not out for too much longer. So, yeah, maybe try and get another striker. You, you can never have enough, too many strikers, can you, Danny? I no. mean, you know. I, I still think, uh, um, you know, unless uh, young Alex Fletcher, um, who's that different option. The one that plays down the lines, the one that is a little bit fox in the box type player, a little bit more pace. If we can get somebody in like that, which I've been saying, you know, even before the season started, that we need an alternative type of player playing up top. Whether he can play the wider players in a position like that, I don't know. Um, But if you can get somebody like that, great. But if you can't, then I think we've almost got that squad all tied up for, for, for now. And obviously Greg Wilde was also yeah. dropped from the team. If you bring someone else in, it's someone else that's going to lose their place in the matchday squad, isn't it? So it's Competition for places is never a bad thing. No, I don't think so. I think, I right. think it's got, got some good competition there. And one of the one of the rumours that started um, with a talk sport reporter was uh, Sonny Bradley going to Luton. There's been no confirmation either way that this is actually going to happen, but rumoured rumoured bid. That's what Toby wants to know about. He said, is it true that Luton are going to sign Sonny Bradley? I'd rather get rid of Sarsovic I think that was probably written uh, just mm. after the Scunthorpe game but, I mean Sonny Bradley first of all if he was to go mm. how much of a loss would that be for our guy especially at this stage well I, I, I was off last week Jack as, as, as you mentioned earlier so I'm not entirely up to speed with these things from what I can gather you know there's a lot of rumour Nathan Jones the loot manager mm. sort of didn't confirm or deny it sort of thing did he so you know, there might be something going along in the background, but um, I think, you know, two or three days before the transfer window shuts, unless Derry Adams has got a ready-made replacement, I think he would be very, very loathed to let any player leave this close to the transfer window. I mean, never say never in football. You know, if the money's enough for any player, you know, it's possible. But, I mean, my, my big worry about losing any player this week would be, well, how on earth do you replace him in such a short period of time? So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, 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 I can't see it personally. I, I mean, cannot see it. I mean, it, to me, if you... Luton rid- have made some good signings. They're, they're, yes. they're clearly, you know, going for it in League 2 this season. They've sold um, Isaac Vassell from Argyle player to Birmingham and made themselves quite a tidy sum of money. So, I, I don't think money's the issue for them sort of thing, but... Um, it's all rumours, isn't it? This is the thing, and it's very difficult these days sifting rumours, fact from rumours, isn't it, Jack? I mean, you. you well, we sort of live in a world where rumours almost become fact, don't they? You've yeah. got to be careful to, to point uh, out to know, make clear it, when a rumour is a rumour. It is a rumour. There's, there's, we've got nothing to substantiate that, that now, and that's not to say it won't happen. And Derek Adams was very keen to point out after in the mm. press conference that he wants to keep every player he's got, he yeah. doesn't want to lose anyone. So. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a difficult one, but. Um, you wouldn't want to lose Sonny Bradley, that's that's for sure. And that leads us quite nicely onto Michael's question. He said, mm. if we were to lose Sonny, who would be the person to step into his place? I mean, I guess he's talking about the current team that we've got, not not talking about possible new incomes. I, I, I can't believe Derek Adams would let... Would let. Let's talk hypothetically. Mm. I can't imagine he'd let Sonny Bradley leave no. and not have somebody 
literally lined up yes. to come in. Would you, Danny? That's would, not Derek Adams' MO, is it? Do you know what? I, I, if we, we cannot get rid of Sally Bradley. You know, Chris goes on about the amount of money. There's, there's really, unless it's a substantial, a substantial amount of money, there ain't enough money that's going to, right now, the way he's been playing for us last season and already this season, that you would let him go whatever, um, unless it's stupid money. Um, but I would be very, very doubtful that, um, that he'll be going. And if he does, uh, it would be a big loss for us. And there wouldn't be a ready placement. I don't think he's going to... He'll end up having to play somebody that's in a squad already, which is Sokolik or Sian Songo, maybe somebody like that. Um, but no, I, you know, if I was Derek Adams, I would just go take him somewhere, cl- t- turn off your phone, and don't answer it. <laughs> 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 that's what I would do. Yeah. He could be well be locked in a room somewhere right now. <laughs> um, so, so Michael also asked, he said, what do you make of the new number nine so, so far? We've talked about Chifty quite a bit there, so right. I think we've covered that. He says, I still believe we had a great start to the League One season with some very tough games. I believe our number nine will play a pivotal role when he gets up to match fitness. Looking forward to Oscar getting back in at the right-back position. Thank you. I don't think Gary Miller's done particularly bad. I think it was a bit of a... You, you can't take too much into the game on Saturday because of the red card, but mm. I think he's, he's impressed me a little bit, Gary Miller, in the last few games. But, of course, having Oscar back, I think as soon as he gets back, everyone will be much happier. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully Oscar's not going to be out for too long. I think I saw him outside the ground still sort of hobbling around. And his crutches. And crutches yeah. But, you know, you've got to keep weight off, off injuries like that, and um, hopefully it won't be too long before he's fit and available. You can never have enough competition for places. I know it means that some players are disappointed that they don't even get in a match day 18, but you know the, the only way to respond to that is that you just have to be working away in training, working away in training, and if you get a chance one time off the bench or something yeah. like that, you have to take it. Well, that's part and parcel of being a footballer and a Com- successful team, isn't it? Competition for places. I mean, we, we can all remember times in the not-too-distant past where Argyle just haven't had any competition for places and people have been, same team every single been week, guaranteed a yeah. place, haven't they, and that's never healthy. You know. Yeah, I was just going to say about Fekel. Fekel gives you something different. He's more energetic, he's quicker, better going forward, more creative. Um, and I think that all round, that, you know, when he gets back, even though Gary Miller's done okay, I think that at this moment in time, Fekel would be my first choice at fullback. Um, and he's versatile, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And, he, and if Gary Miller still stayed at fullback, and there was an injury somewhere else, mm. Fekel could go into midfield and play in that role. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to see him come back. And David Mason has talked about the referee Chris Sargenson, who has um, had a, had a few dramas the last few times he's been playing yes. Park. Uh, do you think? Do you think he had a bad game on, on Saturday? Um, I I try not to. I, I like to see a referee not rush to use a yellow card straight early on in the game. I know what you're going to say, Chris. Um, I you should do, have booked the goalkeeper in the uh, first five minutes. But <laughs> having said that. Um, I was surprised that he didn't use his yellow card a lot sooner than he did. It created um, a bit of a niggly atmosphere, mm. and I'm not going to sit here and defend Anthony Sarsavik for, for what he no. did, but it, the, the match had got a bit niggly, and, 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 yeah. and Scunthorpe were doing all the cynical things that you know you, you can criticise them for, or you can say they were just doing a professional, in that horribly mm. modern word now, professional job. And I think if the referee had... Um, had booked the goalkeeper, for example, or a couple of the challenges that were made. The right back was um, perhaps fortunate not to get a yellow card uh, once or twice. Um, yeah. it, it might not have led to the situation which led to Sarsavik being sent off. I mean, I suppose what you'd say was he he was consistent in his refusal not to brandish yellow cards. I mean, it was it was both ways. I think Gary Miller had one in the second half where he should have been yellow carded and wasn't. Um, 
But was he weak? Was he weak? You know, um, uh, I just think, uh, like I say, I don't want to see referees brandish yellow cards in the first five minutes unnecessarily, and then because they're making a rod for their own back, and they end up with a game of eight or nine yellow cards and, yeah. and, and a red. I think he was perhaps, in my opinion, he was a bit too far the other way. But what do you make of this whole time wasting thing? Because referees do have the power to stamp it well, down. But I, yeah. I, I will tell you this now. Mm. We got again. used to Wickham last year. Mm. The first throw-in mm. that they got mm. in the first minute of the game took two minutes mm. to take. Mm. That was at the first minute of a game, that Wickham. And the first corner that they got, mm. with um, Scunthorpe, I mean, it took forever. The goalkeeper, from the moment he's got a goal kick, yeah. he started wasting time. Yeah. Now, if you do not know, <coughs> as a referee, that this is obviously a game plan that they've got, for whatever reason, I don't know why managers would, would, would insist that their players take their time away from home. I know it happens. And, you know, I'm not, it's not a conspiracy theory. I know it happens. Um, it absolutely gobsmacked me that the referee... The crowd were already having a pop at the goalkeeper after the second time he did it. We're all like getting nuts up there. I knew what they were doing. I knew what he was doing. A bitty game. Chris is right. Fouls, niggly fouls, stop the flow of the game. Mm. That affected us more than it should have done. So the referee should have been stronger. He should have booked the goalkeeper. That would have set a precedent mm. for the other players. Actually, that, I'm not going to stand this nonsense. And, and it went on the whole game. And the referee allowed it to happen. You know, decisions-wise during the game, no. he was okay. But yeah. I'm telling you now, the referee should have been a bit stronger. Mm. I don't think we would have got what we got in the end, which is they had, I think, five bookings in total. Uh, we only got the sending off. So that just told you about some of the tackles that went on out there. Fantastic. We'll just try and rattle through some of these questions, mm. sort of quick fire if we can. Graham said, Danny, why did you never go into coaching or management? Is it too late now? And if ever you were offered a senior coaching or Argyle, would you take it? I'll try to be quick because it's, it's, a, it's a long story. But basically, I came out of football. I thought I needed a break. I started football very young. I thought it wouldn't be a problem me getting back into football. But once I left it, three, four years, I can't try to get back into it. I've got my coaching badges. Um, but you put your CV in with the likes of Glenn Hoddle and players like that, it's impossible. Chairman were getting a little bit less modern. They, that, sorry, more modern didn't know footballers, um, looking at CVs, what have you been doing for the last five years? Nothing. They're just throwing in a dustbin. And I'm not a yes man when it comes to football. I don't go around agreeing and being somebody that sort of follows somebody like a little puppy dog. Um, employ me for what I can do and how good I am, not of, of, of who I am. Is that regret then for you? Um, it, a little bit of regret, yes, um, because I think I've got a lot to offer when it comes to football. But uh, I'm, I'm happy. I've, I've got over that now. Uh, too late now? Yes, it is too late now. I don't think, unless somebody knows me personally and what I can do, you're never going to get there's a There's a, you know, 100 jobs for 4,000 coaches. Mm. Um, and people, the best way to stay in football, if you stay in football when you leave football quickly, you keep staying in football. If you get a manager's job and fail, you get another manager's job. And if you fail again, you get another manager's job. For people like me that have been out of the professional game that way for a long time, um, it's impossible. It's impossible. So um, I'm happy. I'm doing what I do. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment because I would like to have given something back um, with all the knowledge that I've got in all four divisions and managers that I've been under and so on and so forth. Um, but it was not to be so. And if you're offered a job at Argyle Senior Coaching Role, would you would I take it off? Without a doubt, I would. I would because I know that what I can do and I know my knowledge of football. Um, but you know. I don't think that's going to happen but if I was offered it 
Yeah, I wouldn't hesitate. Well, that answers your question, Graham. Ian wants to ask you a question, Chris. He said, firstly, I hope you're recovering well from your operation. Thank you, Ian. Yeah. Secondly, you are on a Saturday, but we're not reporting on the game. Mm. Taking the result away, did you enjoy it? And do you see more of the game when you have nothing else to do? I didn't enjoy it at all. I felt like, what am I doing here? Where's my laptop? <laughs> Ew, my laptop. It was, it's, it's a very weird feeling. Very weird feeling, going to a game of football <laughs> right out of the park and not reporting on it. it I, I did feel odd. You came and checked on myself and David, didn't you? Well, yeah, and I, I didn't sit in the press box because, you know, I wasn't working and I didn't want to get in anyone's We missed you there, because um, we definitely missed you in there, mate. Did, uh, you, you obviously see more uh, of the game because, um, as Jack will know, and, and I'm sure Danny will, will verify, you know, when you're a, a reporter at a football game, you, uh, you know, you do spend a lot of the game with your head looking down at a, a laptop typing away during the game because match reports are done during the course of the game we're tweeting we're doing all sorts of bits and pieces and so when you haven't got that you're just sat watching the game so <laughs> you probably you probably see more of the game and, and, and what have you but no I wasn't really uh, mad keen on it to looking forward to getting back to uh, doing your match reports yeah we'll be in well well off to uh, Warsaw on uh, Saturday aren't we so uh, yeah look forward to that one so Emma I, th- I think mm. this is the same Emma in two mm. questions we'll try and answer very quickly mm. she said my son wants to be a sports journalist what are the best and worst parts of your job Chris mm. I'll, I'll, let, I'll follow your lead I'll let you, just, you answer that first the best parts if you like sports you get paid to go and watch sporting events now that's I can't think of much better than that Um, I would have loved to have done what Danny did and be a professional football player even if I had played one football league game that would have been fantastic for for Danny to go on and play the number of games that he did over a long period of time you know I take my to my hat off but I realised very early on I think when I was six or seven that I was never going to be a professional <laughs> never in a million years I remember one six aside tournament Danny I had an open goal and I put it over the bar and I remember my teacher looking at me and sort of shaking his head yeah not going to be a footballer so a very good primary school teacher of mine Mrs Tomlin said to me you know what you should you know you, you like football and you're quite good at writing you should become a football journalist and I thought that's a really good idea forgot her to blame then uh, you, <laughs> that's, that's who to blame for all these years so you get you get to go and watch, watch sport that's, that's great but the worst parts of the job you know um, the older you get the travelling back from away games is a bit of a is a bit of a chore yeah. um, you know we had Southend didn't we a couple of weeks ago and um, I think it was about quarter past 11 half past 11 when we got back on a Saturday night and yeah then you've got another three or four hours to work to do on a Sunday morning, and that's uh, quite, quite time consuming. But it's not really a proper job, is it, Jack? To be honest. Well, yeah. that's, that's the thing, you know. I, I, it's not I, like we're, you know, there's there's a lot more people out there that do a lot harder work than we do. Uh, we're, yeah. we're a fortunate position to do what we do. I think you get to interview all sorts of people, you know, Olympians. It, it's you know, it's not Champions it's, League. It's not international football, but it's professional football. You get to see the highs and the lows, the, the real football, and the bad. You, a, yeah. so you get to know what people are like off the pitch a little bit you know and it's athletes at the end of the day isn't it it's people who excel at what they do yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's only a people of professional footballers it, you know Emma if you're someone to be a sports journalist uh, you know go for it, it go for it she's also said would you be able to give us a brief talk about what your match day involves we all see the reports on the blogs but how much work goes into getting it all together so Chris again I'll let you start with this one in terms of your match reporting well just try and keep it fairly brief but I mean we, we're normally in the press box about 1, one fifteen on a Saturday for example and you start getting ready, get yourself all set up, get the laptop working, you can start tweeting away. Um, we have the live blog, which is, is always up and running nice and early. If you've never looked at a live blog, give it a try, because um, it really is very up-to-date, and it covers a multitude of things in the build-up to the game, during the game, and after the game. Give it a try. It, is, it was definitely worth having a look at. 
Um, two o'clock we get the team news, so you know we have a team news piece up online um, pretty much as soon as we can after that. And then you're busy preparing, getting your, your statistics ready, getting your, your previews ready. Um, straight after the game, obviously, you do the interviews with the manager and a player normally. Um, I would say that it's 6, 6, 6, 6.15 before we, we leave our, on a match day. So, you know, you, you've been there for a good five hours, five and a half hours or so. And then, obviously, if it's a home game, it's a nice, easy trip back home. If it's an away one, it's a lot more time-consuming. And then, you know, there's a lot of follow-up stuff to do. Manager quotes, player quotes. We always try to do some talking points pieces. There's always incidents that come up from the game. You know, the Anthony Sarsavik sort of angle on Saturday, for example. So... It takes quite a bit of uh, uh, takes up quite a bit of a time, but the idea is to try and give the readers um, as good a coverage as we can, and we try our best. We haven't got you know masses and masses of resources, but I, I, I would like to think that if you compared the Herald's coverage of Argyle with papers across the country, we, we were as, as good as any in terms of the depth of it and the, the breadth of it, and. Um, yeah, and, and what I would say is, you know, a lot of hard work goes into every little thing you see. There's, a, there's ten times more things that go into getting that together. Like uh, recent pictures, mm. getting pictures, mm. looking at Twitter, keeping mm. updated, typing. As we've said, you, very, very little of your time is spent watching the game. You're trying to catch up, and 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 Danny, you know what it's like. You see everyone doing their bits as well as you do well, your bits. The thing, good thing about what Chris likes about me is that I'm actually talking about the game all the time. So when his head's down yes. in the computer, I've got my running I'm, commentary. I've got, he's got a running commentary. I went behind the first time in the weekend. It was very helpful. Yeah, yeah, so it, you get some information that you probably wouldn't know anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't do anywhere near as much as what Chris and yourself would do. Um, but I, you know, even a little bit that I do, I run around. Chris sees me jumping about, going to get the team lineups and the formations and bits and pieces, which I quite enjoy. But um, I see the amount of work that you guys do in there, um, and it opened my eyes to uh, the amount of work that takes, not just during, but before and after. Uh, so I'll take my hat off to you guys. Um, it's not easy, but the only good thing about it for you guys, I think, apart from all the hard work, is that you love your football, you love your sport, and uh, that, that takes away from it's, all that craft. It's being part of football, isn't it? In, in, yeah. And we're, we're fortunate, all three of us here, that in one way or another, we are involved... You know, with a football league club on a Saturday, yeah. and you get to to see what's going on, and um, you know, lots of people would swap places with us. I'm absolutely sure of that. So, um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, people enjoy what we do. I think there's a a pretty good spread of opinion and and, and analysis and facts and pictures and blogs and. Uh, Match and we don't always agree with each other, do we? No, that's, that's <laughs> which is a good no, thing. I think we've, we've, this is about the most we've ever agreed, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we'll have to give Danny his 10 quid for his, uh, for his, for his, for his singing our praises. Yeah. Well, that brings out, I hope that answers your question, Emma. Um, and that brings us to the end of this week's chat. Thank you to Danny for coming in on Bad World Day Monday. And mm. Chris, it's great to see you back. Thank you very much. Join us again next week, um, where Stuart James will be back fresh from his, his tanning. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go again. Thanks very much. <laughs>